Welcome to church, everybody. Would you put your hands together and welcome those who are joining us online. Come on, give them a great hand. We're glad that you're with us today. Y'all know that next weekend is the, it's the Super Bowl of all Sundays. Come on, it's Easter Sunday next weekend. And if you have not made plans yet at home to join us this Easter Sunday, I want to encourage you to kind of make your way back to in-person services. Come on, in the room one more time. Tell them what they're missing right now. Put your hands together for them. We'd love for you to come back. You'll notice in this room even today that we've uh, kind of opened up some seating. We've got a little bit more room. And so I want to encourage you to to make plans to come to one of our three services on Easter Sunday, 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., or 12 p.m. You can register online so that we can make a little bit of extra room and make sure that everyone is taken care of. And how about a 12 p.m. service, everyone? We can You can go to brunch with your family and, and come on, eat a little Reese's peanut butter candy before you come to church. And then you can come to 12 p.m. and then do it all over again as if you didn't do brunch beforehand, all right? And so that's next weekend. I want to encourage you. We're praying for lifesavers. We're inviting this week to attend the service. And so make sure that you're not just giving one of those text invitations, that you're actually saying, hey, I've been thinking about you. It's been a hard year and a half. I want to, I want to pick you up and bring you to, I registered you for church. And I believe if you do that, they'll respond. They'll come with you. And as we always say around here, we'll treat them with respect. And we'll treat them with dignity. We'll care for them. And maybe do the part of the pie that you don't feel comfortable doing. We'll share the gospel and close the deal that Sunday. It'll be the best Sunday of your life when I say every head bowed, every eye closed, and your friend is crying. Your friend is making the decision to follow Jesus. I want to encourage you to consider that and be a part of the process. Now, today, as you can tell, I'm already real fired up, okay? And, uh, I, and I'm not preaching. It's probably why I'm fired up. I'm, this, is, this is all I get right here, okay? But One of my dear friends is here, and he and his wife, Steve and Renee Blair, have been faithful to our our friendship, faithful to One Hope Church since before we ever began. All the way back in 2004, I had the privilege of uh, interning under Pastor Steve. I'd been a youth pastor for almost seven years, and when Amber and I made the big risk to leave home, which is here, to go to Birmingham, I was thrust upon Pastor Steve to say, train him up, make sure everything's going to be all right. And I had no idea the friendship we would develop, Steve, and and really the care. And and I just want you to know that, that when everything goes wrong, he's the guy that I would call. My wife has this person in her phone. She calls it ICE. Y'all familiar with this? ICE, in case of emergency. That's my name in her phone. Come on, ICE, everyone. Y'all feel like y'all just went to a Top Gun movie and I wore my jacket for y'all today, all right? So it's the person you call when there's an emergency, when things aren't going well. I want you to know, and I want you to think about this as we're gonna dive into God's word, that this is a person that when, when it seems like no one's around that I can call and faithfully shares God's word and encourages us and prays for us. And listen, there isn't anything. We, we jump into the mud fast. We don't have to have pleasantries. I just call. And on the days when you feel like quitting God and cussing out, anybody? Yeah. Steve, thank you for being a faithful friend. Renee, thank you. We love you. Come on, put your hands together. Honor Pastor Steve Blair as he comes. Love you. Love you. Well, good morning, everybody. It really is an honor to be here. And uh, we not are only friends to Josh and Amber, but we serve as overseers for the church. And for some of you who may not know, this church is not only well pastored, but it's, it's protected also by people that serve in different capacities and I get to serve. And an overseer just simply is somebody who just makes sure that Josh and Amber are healthy. And, and uh, again, I'm available uh, just to do whatever I got to do, but I really appreciate y'all's friendship. Known them a long time, and and uh, basically internship and 
Birmingham, he was just a slave. That's all it was. He just, he got it. But uh, just such a heart for the city and we're excited to be here. Uh, we are home folks, not just because we belong to here, but actually my wife, uh, her, all of her history comes ultimately from New Orleans. Her grandparents here, her parents uh, grew up here. And so uh, we've got a lot of rich history here. As a matter of fact, her grandfather uh, was in the Roosevelt Hotel in the 30s. He was there, I think, as a bellboy. So we went back yesterday to see if anybody remembered him, and nobody did. So I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what the problem is there. But uh, my wife is a Cajun. Her last name is Richard. That's Richard just said differently. Um, and uh, she was born in Slidell. Then we moved, she, they moved to Mississippi. So she's a Cajun redneck. And that's... That's a crazy form of an individual right there. So we're glad to be here with you. I'm excited to break the word of God with you. For those that are joining us online, we're very glad that you are with us. I spoke to a couple yesterday who work in the city and they go to One Hope, but they hadn't been able to be here because of their job. And so hope you guys are watching today. Glad to have you. I want to talk to you today about what do you do when the unexpected happens? What do you do when the unexpected happens? And the way I want to start this message here today is I want to tell you a little story. So I've been at Church of the Highlands now for 19 years. I've been employed at two different churches in the life of my ministry. Um, it sounds weird to say that way, but I've, I've served two different churches. I got saved in 1979, so it's 42 years ago that I got saved. Uh, that's older than maybe probably a lot of you are. That's just very sad to me, but all right. <laughs> Guess it means I'm still living. So, um, but anyway, it, in Birmingham, I was uh, on staff there at the church for 19 years. And in the early days of the church, we met in Mountain Brook High School, set up and tear down a lot like this is. You guys are very... Y'all are more organized than we were in the early days because there was no mold in which to build upon. We were creating this system because church planning didn't look the way that it does now. 19 years ago, we were in a fine arts auditorium. There were 20 rows. There were 953 seats. That is just burned into my mind. I remember that because of all the years of serving there. But we had a nice stage, and it was a dramatic stage. So that meant there were bars that went across the length of the stage and in theater, you would, uh, or theater, if you would say it appropriately, in the theater, they would hang curtains on those or they would hang scenes on those and those bars would be raised and lowered depending upon the scene uh, that was needed for the drama or whatever the set was needed for whatever was going on. And it just so happened on this Sunday that one of those bars was lowered quite low back behind the curtain. We just got done with set up and tear down and uh, we, uh, because we were trying to organize all of our stuff, we had a guy on our team build us a cabinet on wheels. Now, he built it like it was going to be a permanent cabinet install in a house. It was incredibly heavy. Uh, it was, uh, it was the, this cabinet was maybe about four feet wide, about six feet long, five or six feet long. And it was on these casters. And we lovingly called this Big Box Bertha. Okay, That's, that was our name for it. As a matter of fact... The, Bertha is still with us. I don't know how it's all happened, but it's actually in our distribution center that we have, and it's still there to this day. Well, on this day, this bar hung very close to Bertha. And so me, being the guy that oftentimes will do things and then think later, I thought, because we're hanging out before church starts, I thought I'm going to jump on top of the box, and I'm going to grab the little pole that's hanging there that runs the length of the stage. So I get up on the box, and I turn 
and so pretend like this is, I'm facing outward and I grab this pipe and then my good buddy, quote unquote, he starts cranking the thing that raises and lowers it and so I start ascending, okay? It was not angelic, I just started going up. And I, I sense him doing it, so I jumped off the box, I jumped off the pipe onto the box. He quits, everybody has a little laugh and then I think, I'm gonna do that again so I turn around this time and I grab the pipe and he starts cranking. Now this time I'm not gonna let go because I've got this figured out. So what I'm gonna do is I'm being raised up, I'm channeling my inner gymnast. I mean, all of you, you, you all have the inner gymnast, right? And so I'm thinking to myself, what I'm gonna do is I'm going upwards, I'm gonna swing my body like this, and then at the right time, I'm just gonna let myself go and I'm gonna fall on Bertha and everything's gonna be good. But what I don't, oh no, yet. Let me get there, please, okay? So what, what, I, what I did was, is when I, when I came down, let's pretend this is the edge, I came down and my feet, these are my toes, hit right here on the edge. Well, this was a, uh, a piece of trim work that was held in place by fly hairs. Y'all know what those are? I don't know what those are, but it wasn't very strong. This collapsed and I came down on top of Bertha like this. Okay, and I was probably five feet up in the air and I came down, boom, like this. And then having fallen like this, I fell backwards. So I'm laying on the floor now like this, okay? And all my buds that are around here, when I come to, they're all standing over me. Nobody's doing anything important. They're just going, is he dead? That's the only thing that's happening. Is he dead? Is he dead? I'm not sure, is he dead? Looks like he's breathing, is he dead? Now, after I like, did inventory to see how bad I was hurt, the first thought through my mind was, I am not letting them call the ambulance. Because if they do that and they take me to the hospital, I will forever at Highlands be known as the guy that got taken to the hospital in an ambulance from our church. So I'm just like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, which is a total lie, right? And I'm not fine. So I get up and the, the wind's been knocked out of me. I think I broke a rib and it was a miserable several weeks after this. It's a great story to tell now, but it was very, very difficult. But I want you to know that that story about that box named Bertha, to me being so real, is also real to you, but it just happens in other scenarios. We all know what it's like to have that moment in our lives when something hits us and the wind gets knocked out of us. Not necessarily the physical wind, although it could be. We know what it's like to have something take place and it's just like everything in us is just, <sighs> you get the call, you get the text, you get the letter, you find out the job's been canceled, something happens, something happens. It happened to my wife just recently. We were at home one night, she gets a call from one of her family members and come to find out that her aunt who she's grown up around, super close, find out she has pancreatic cancer. And I remember in that moment that she was obviously very tearful, very shook, and your brain's going, what can I do, what can I do, what can I do? And it's in those moments that right then you really can't do anything but just absorb the shock. Three things that typically happen when we meet Bertha, if you will, when that thing hits us and we lose our breath. The first one is oftentimes is we get disappointed. Everybody say disappointed. We've all been disappointed, right? We've all had expectations that didn't get met. 
It's the, it's the smallest reaction or it's the lowest level of emotional reaction to something that is frustrating to us. And disappointment can happen because we had a, a expressed expectation that we were hoping or we had maybe an unexpressed expectation that we were hoping, but it's just the, it's just when you go, oh, I really want it. Like you thought the relationship was going to go this way, or maybe it's a trip that you don't get to go on or whatever the case is. It's, it's the lowest level of pain that we would experience, disappointment. The second one is discouragement. Now, discouragement is, is more serious, obviously, because discouragement begins to bring in our hope. It begins to bring in our dream. It begins to bring in those things that we really wanted to see happen. Maybe something breaks that we did not anticipate. And what we start doing is we start sensing darkness and we definitely start sensing a little bit of hopelessness. Now, the third level is depression. We're not going to talk about today because I'm not a clinician. But depression is much serious. And we, we hear the word a lot. And I think possibly in this room, there are some of you who have experienced at least a measure of depression over this past year and a half, maybe two years. Uh, But for those that might believe that maybe you're in some type of chronic or clinical depression, then I would just encourage you, get help as soon as you can, because you you don't just work your way out of it. You need people around you to help you there. I encourage you to call somebody immediately because you're just going to need help. But today I want to talk about that middle zone discouragement. Because when the unexpected happens, it can leave us with a brokenness in our lives that causes discouragement. Here's the quote of the day I want you to have, and I hope that goes with you. The decisions we make when life brings us brokenness, that moment when something hits you and you lose your breath, the decisions we make when life brings us brokenness will determine our path, not our feelings. The decisions we make when life brings us brokenness will determine our path, not our feelings. Listen, feelings are great passengers in your life, but feelings are horrible pilots. You don't want your feelings determining your course of life. Feelings are very important, but they must be guided. There must be parameters in which your feelings are allowed to. To flow. That's why you need things in your life to help you. If feelings are untended to, they become, they become a swamp to us. And just wherever that water flows, it goes. And we never know what's actually going on because we're always just like ankle deep in whatever it is that you're feeling at the moment. So today what I want to do is I want to give you five things. And you know when you're creating a message, you've heard Pastor Josh do this. You know, they either start with the same letter or they rhyme or it's the same sentence or whatever that case is. And so I was also thinking of that very same thing. So would these be five decisions that you need to make or would would, would these be five principles that you need to build your life upon? And I searched and searched and searched and I finally came up with the thing that I think was most appropriate for this setting is I'm going to give you five things I want you to chase. Everybody say chase. Chase. Now, why chase? The reason I use chase, because number one, the word's fun, (laughs) right? Chase. It's fun. Uh, Number two, it's, it's more than just choose. There's activity that's there. And I want you to know that when life hits you with something that you weren't expected, you're probably going to have to do a little bit more than you think you are. And so chase might be the thing that will spur you on. Okay, so I hope you remember the word chase. Now, a friend of mine in his church, he says that he teaches, he says, my job as the pastor of the church, I teach the men to chase the women. 
in the appropriate way. And my wife teaches the women to run from the men, just don't run too fast and too far. So I like the word chase. I think it's pretty good. That's a great marriage hint for those of you that are married. A little bit of chasing should be going on all the time, all right? But that's a different time, different different message. So I'm going to give you five things I want you to chase. You ready? All right, number one, the first thing we have to do when when something hits us, and I know you recognize this because we've all been through it, is that you need to chase truth. You need to chase truth. Now, there's two truths I'm going to ask you to chase. The first one is, what's the truth of the situation? A lot of times when something hits us, we lose awareness. I was actually unconscious for a moment on the floor when I fell on the box. And when I came to, the first thing I needed to do was do an assessment. Now, unfortunately, I did not chase the truth of the scenario. I should have probably gone to the hospital because I really do believe I broke a rib at that time. You know, I probably was okay, but it wouldn't have hurt me to be seen by a physician. But because I did not chase the truth of that scenario, because I was arrogant, I didn't want to be a part of the folklore of the church in that way, I chose a different path. Probably wasn't healthy. It's okay now. But for you, I would encourage you, especially when something hits you and you're out of breath, you're feeling hopeless, you've got to chase truth. I was talking to a person on our staff about three weeks ago. That's my job at Highlands as I pastor the staff on behalf of Pastor Chris. I love that I get to do that, but I was talking to this person and they were describing their life because they were in massive anxiety. This person is so anxious that they will wake up in the middle of the night having a panic attack. I didn't say they wake up and then work themselves into a panic attack. They wake up automatically, breathing is elevated, heart is pounding. They're stripping the covers off because they can't, the pressure is too much, mind flooded with fear. And so as we're talking, I was like, wow, that's a lot of anxiety that you're carrying to where that it bubbles out that way in the middle of the night. And so as we begin to talk about this person's story, come to find out that when this person was younger, about four years of age, their mother uh, got really sick. The sickness did not go away. It increased. And ultimately, it led to this person's mother becoming addicted to alcohol. And it's been a life story for this person's mom all of her life. And so she said, in the moment, she said, I... I was so disappointed in God. And all of a sudden it just came into my mind and I just asked the question. I said, so how long have you been mad at God? And because this person had shared the story um, and the Lord had just kind of caught them in the moment of it, she replied a really long time. And you see, the problem is if you would meet this person in any other place, there was no way that you would go, oh, They're mad at God. There's no signs, but the symptoms are all there. You got to dig for the truth of the situation. You got to chase the truth. Now, remember the second part of chasing the truth is you got to chase the word of God. You got to dig for it. The Bible is not a point of reference. It is the only guide of our lives. You don't take the reader's digest and put it alongside the Bible. And let's see if we can find out how I'm supposed to live. You don't don't go find your horoscope and the Bible and put them together and say, how do we figure out? You don't need somebody else's opinion, although opinions can be helpful at times. We need the word of God. And right now our culture is trying to tell us that whatever is in me 
add to the word of God and somewhere we're going to find something solid. And I want you to know that it is the only thing solid is the word of God. Psalms 119 verse 50. It says, your promises revive me. It comforts me in all my troubles. I want you to know this. I am adjusted by truth. I am not adjusting truth. When I look at the word of God, whatever the word of God says, that's who I'm going to be. I'm not going to measure the word of God and see where I think it needs to fit. Okay. If you've ever bought something that's a new garment, sometimes when you put it on for the first time, it feels a little awkward just because you're not used to it. And at times the word of God can be that way. But let me just tell you, get used to it because it's actually going to be help for you. He said, your promises revive me. It comforts me in all my troubles. So make sure that when you're talking about truth, that you talk more to yourself than you listen to yourself. Because if we listen to our own personal narrative, it can get dark fast. I know, just say, just look at your neighbor. That's them. I know it's not talking to you because y'all are holy, but your neighbor may not be, okay? First thing I want you to do is I want you to chase truth. Second thing I want you to chase is I want you to chase joy. I want you to chase joy. Now, why did I choose joy? The reason I chose the word is because we're not chasing happiness. Happiness is good. I hope you have lots of it in your life, but happiness is always based on happenings. And when happenings are good, we have happiness. And when happenings are not good, we don't have happiness. But joy is something that is outside the realm of happiness. You can have joy and have happiness, but when you don't have happiness, you can also have joy. Joy is an anchor. James 1 verse 2. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. The Bible says in one translation, count it all joy. That word actually is an accounting term in the original language. And it says to take one number, add it to another number, and then make up what the, what the answer is. So like we know, two plus two is always four. But in this scenario, difficult times, maybe a little bit of hopelessness, it can still equal joy. I'm say to you this way, don't wait on circumstances to chase joy. Joy can coexist with sadness. Joy can coexist with pain. Joy can coexist with loss. Joy is always tied to something that is immovable, and that's God. So we have this security that when something happens and the wind gets knocked out of us and we're kind of disoriented for a second, one of the things that we can chase is joy. And another reason why I said chase as the word, the operative word here is because I think at times we think that the goodness of life is just randomly laying on the ground. Like we're walking and we're just going to trip over great things. No, I've never found anything of value just randomly laying there And you just fall over. No, you have to look for it. There's some stones that need to be turned over. Where am I going to find joy? Where am I going to find this peace? Don't wait on the circumstances. Hey, choose joy. Hey, everybody, choose joy. Can I get a better amen? Choose joy. All right, that's what I'm talking about. So we're going to chase truth. Remember, what's the truth of the situation? What's the truth of the word of God? It's our foundation. We're going to choose and chase joy. We're going to chase after it. I'm looking for it. Where is it at? Now, you're in the hospital having to face the circumstances. The deal's going on. What's happening? It looks like this thing's going south. I'm not sure about the, whatever it is. Chase joy. The third one, really important here, and it's, I want you to chase relationships. I want you to chase relationships. Why? Because we don't heal. When something happens to us, 
The wind gets knocked out of us. When we are in that scenario, we don't heal in isolation. We need people around us. We need people around us. We need friends that we can call when something's dark. Uh, I'll confess. Confe- what do they say? Confession is good for the soul, bad for the reputation. So it was just the beginning of last week. I was flying home from, uh, I had been at a church uh, doing some things, coming back from Atlanta to Birmingham is about 29 minutes, if that, flight. And I'm on the plane, last leg of this journey, uh, and I've not been on a plane in a year where they sit somebody beside you. I've not experienced that. So when I sat down in my seat, I put a couple of items next to the seat beside me because I figured along the way, if I need to do it, I'd get it. The guy walks up and he says, that's my seat. Number one, I've got my mask on because I'm a good person to wear my mask. Got my mask on. I look surprised because I didn't expect this. So I get my stuff and I put it in my, we've not exchanged any words other than that's in my seat. And so he sits down, he pulls his phone out and like me, he has the font pretty big because I'm not going to break down and just use glasses. So I got, you know, like (laughs) we is like W-E- Next line, you know, it's one of those deals. So he sits down and he, I see him start texting his wife and I'm eavesdropping on the text conversation. I confess to you that that's what I'm doing. Okay. If his font wasn't so big, I wouldn't have been able to see it. So he's talking about me and he's like, this dude is wearing me out. How rude I am. And then he's using words, I can't, I can't, I could even use this, these words on Saturday. I mean, it's just those type of words. And his wife is replying back to him that she can't believe there's so-and-sos and such-and-such in this world like people like me. And I'm getting angry because it's been a long, long day, long weekend, blah, blah, blah. You know, my flesh is kind of seething a little bit. I'm feeling a little bit of, you know, a lack of justice. He doesn't know me. He doesn't know how nice of a guy I am, you know. So this thing goes on for a while. This conversation goes on for a while. And I am, I am seething at this point. And in my mind, I'm going like, I wonder what the penalty is if I just punch him right in the throat. I mean, I just want to go bam and then just be like, hey, all right, we're good to go. I didn't do that, by the way, because I figured in my mind that probably is a felony of some sort since it happens on an airplane. And I really didn't want to go to jail. And so as soon as I got home, landed, I picked up my phone, I called one of the guys that's on our team there in Birmingham, and I said, I just got to confess. Because I let my, like, I was envisioning how it would be to swing and just hit him right there. And he'd be like, okay. Why is that? Because... I'm committed to chasing relationships. I'm going to have people in my life that no matter what happens, they're going to be around me. You know why? Because when you're by yourself, you have clouded vision. You don't see things properly. Things mess with you. You interpret things in, you, in, in a wrong way. So here, weep. Go ahead and weep. Confess. Please confess. Celebrate. Do all of it that you can. Mourn. Some more of that. Rejoice. Do that. But here's the thing. Don't, don't ever do that alone. I need somebody in my life that I can cry with. I need somebody in my life that I can be angry with. I need, I need a friend. I need somebody in my life that can be there when the air goes out of my body. You know why? 
Because relationships help us with perspective and relationships help us with resources. I love the phrase, I got a guy. Y'all, any of y'all use that phrase? Hey, where do you? I got a guy. How do you? I got a guy. How do I get my car out of the mud? I got a guy. What about the leak? I got a guy. I love that phrase. And we all should have more of that phrase in our life. Chase relationships, everybody. Number four, I'm gonna chase truth, chase joy. I'm gonna chase relationships. Number four is I'm gonna chase service. Not like a church service. I'm gonna chase serving. Like I'm gonna chase it. I'm gonna go after it. You know what? When things happen, you get the breath knocked out of you. The wind's not in your sails anymore. You're feeling hopeless. You're feeling discouraged. There's a moment that you pull back. There's a moment that you rest. There's a, a moment that you heal. There's a moment that you just become situationally aware. But then you got to get back going. You got to get back serving. You guys did a great job with that yesterday. Serving all over the city, making a name for Jesus, not for the church, a name for Jesus. All those shirts, what color is the shirts? They're, they're blue. You know, what we want is to keep doing that to where that those shirts, when people see them, everybody goes, I know where that's from. I know who that is. Man, I don't know about, I don't know about those people, but they sure do good stuff in our city. We need to chase service. There are going to be times that you want to quit. Don't quit. Keep going. Hebrews 12, uh, end of verse 1 to verse 2, it says, Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion, who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, I want you to get this, he endured the cross and he disregarded the shame. When life hits you with something and you just want to recoil and you want to go hide, that's not the time to do that. That's the time is take a moment, rest for a second, heal, become aware, and then let's go find somebody and let's go invest in somebody who for the joy set before him, he went through the difficult time. There's something on the other side of this moment. Uh, Renee's aunt, she's going to have surgery at the end of this week, pancreatic cancer, chemo, she lost all her hair. But I remember one night we're sitting there in Birmingham and they're sending my wife these photographs of her as she's shopping for a wig. She's got to get a wig and she's got hat and you know, all this. And, and what, what you saw in those moments is she was saying, I'm not going to let this get the best of me. There's still something that I can do. There's somebody that I can still live for. I have a relationship with God and I'm gonna continue to pursue that. And these photos while shopping for fake hair to cover the fact that she's lost her hair, there was still great joy that was in her heart because she knew there's still some things that I got to do. Everybody say, I got stuff to do. Listen, last week, Pastor Josh said this in his message. I'm quoting, serving people can be the greatest use of your life. And in the, listen, you want to take the, the air out of the devil's balloon? When he hits you with something, you just say, okay, I'm going to keep going. When he hits you with something, let's say you're consumed by thoughts of fear and just tell him, hey, every time you do that, I'm going to call somebody, I'm going to tell them about Jesus. Hey, every time you do that, I'm going to serve somebody. Hey, every time you do that, I'm going to rejoice. Listen, all it takes for you to do is hit the bully in the mouth one time and he will leave you alone. So many of us, we try to play patty cake with a bully and that's not good. Here's the deal. You don't want to do it when you're hurting, but be more intentional when you're hurting. Now's not the time to stop. Now is the time to move on. 
So I want you to chase serving. Find a place. Listen, come to the, the next steps next week, 1030, and get on the team and be a part. Listen, it'll change your perspective because your focus won't be on you. It'll be on somebody else. And then lastly, number five, I want you to chase faith. I want you to chase faith. Now, that's, that's unique to say. Because I don't don't think we grasp it just at that. So let me just tell you how you chase faith. You just pursue Jesus. You just pursue Jesus. And let me tell you how how you know you found it. It's because faith is not a denial of circumstances. Faith is a defiance of circumstances. Listen, whatever you're facing right now, it's real. It's real. It hurts. It's frustrating. It causes fear. I don't know what it is, but it's real. But you know what? Faith doesn't deny that like, you've got a fever of 104. I don't have a fever. Oh yeah, you've got a fever. You got one. But here's the deal. Faith defies the fever. Faith defies the pain. Bible talks about Abraham, who accounting that his body was dead, still believed the word that God had said to him that they would have kids. Moses, who grew up in the lap of luxury, driven to the wilderness in shame, finds a relationship with God that he was supposed to have from the very beginning. And God said, go deliver the people. And Moses said, I don't even know how to do this. And by the way, did you know I stutter? Faith defies the circumstance. Let me ask you this. What circumstance in your life do you need to defy? My life's not gonna end this way. It's not gonna look like this. This is not the end. And thank God, as Pastor Joshua was saying earlier, heaven's better than New Orleans, everybody. I don't know if y'all know that or not. It's better. I mean, New Orleans is pretty good. I've gained seven pounds in the 26 hours that I've been here. It's good. But guess what? Heaven's better. And so I need you to chase faith. The pursuit of Jesus builds faith. The woman with the issue of blood, she would not be denied. She chased it until she was able to touch the hem of his garment and she was changed. Here's what the Bible says, Romans 1.17. This is the good news. It tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Chase faith, everybody. Chase it. Because faith is him. It's him. Just chase him every day. Worship, pray, read the word, serve people, have joy, expose yourself to just chase it. And you're going to find a boldness that you haven't had. If you would bow your heads, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Just really all that matters is you're just thinking of you and Jesus. And I want to pray for all of us in a minute, but there's somebody that I want to pray for in this room right now. And in this room, You, having heard what we've been talking about, you may go, hmm, I don't have that relationship with God. Maybe you did at one point and you got disconnected, but today can be the first day of the rest of your life, a day of relationship with him. And so if you're here and you recognize, you say, Steve, man, I I need that relationship with him then what I'm going to do in just a minute is I'm going to count to three and at the end of three, if that's you, you want a relationship with Jesus, you'll lift your hand. And I want to lead you in a simple prayer. That's it. 
Well, why do I got to lift my hand? Because you need to make some type of public statement between you and God that you want to do business. So if that's you, you're here in this room, one, and you know you need a relationship with Jesus. It's broken, it's distance, never been. Two, and when I say the last number, I want you to lift your hands. Three, lift, lift it up right now. You can put it right back down. We'll pray together. Anybody in this? Yeah, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Yeah, thank you, thank you. Put those hands down. Let me pray this prayer with you. I want you to just repeat what I'm gonna say. I'll help you with the words. Keep it simple. Say it in your heart. Say it quietly there under your voice. Say, Jesus. Maybe you didn't raise your hand. You can say it with us. Say, Jesus, today I confess that I'm a sinner. I need a savior. And I know that you're him. You died on a cross in my place. I ask you to come into my life. Change me. Make me brand new I want to live for you all my days in Jesus name Father I pray for each person that prayed that prayer here this morning God thank you for their lives thank you for who they are and Lord I thank you that today is the day that they can say Jesus came into my life I will never be the same and Lord I pray that they would see that here at One Hope there's a family that they can be a part of if they so choose. And then God, I pray for all of us. There are people that are in this room, God, and just the, the, the thought of hitting, getting hit so hard that air, all the air leaves them is so relatable because they've walked through something. Maybe it was a long time ago, maybe it was yesterday, but Lord, they don't wanna be in this position anymore. They wanna get up off the floor. And so God, I pray for them right now. I ask that you would encourage them I pray that they would see that they need to chase after you. God, I pray that they would not feel any shame for maybe being on the floor too long or maybe regretting too much. Lord, I pray that today that they would just be encouraged and that discouragement is not their friend. Lord, I pray for strength to go on in any place where they feel like nobody knows that they would resolve that. One, you know, and number two, they would tell somebody. God, I bless them today. And Lord, I thank you that tomorrow is brighter. It is brighter because you're here in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.